Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast with Lenny Marcus. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Neil Potter. Hey there. Four topics, 15 minutes each. We're just killing time. Kill it with us. Our Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is the number 4C Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen to us on the Riotcast Network, Riotcast.com. Now, LaughButton.com. They're working that out. Today's guest, week 11, I believe, of the Corona Nightmare, is a writer, teacher, comedian, originally from Shelton, Connecticut, but is now based here in New York City. He is the creator and writer of MTV Others' digital series, Truth or Dare. He has written on the YouTube Red series, Prank Academy, and he has a hit series, Sport Court, has aired on IFC's Comedy Crib. He was also a producer on Impractical Jokers, After Party, starring Joey Fatone. He is a contributor to Funnier Die's Pitch, and he recently wrote on North, South, and Maker Studio, Pete vs. Mike. Trained at Second City, Joe teaches sketch comedy and improv at the Pit. That's People's Improv Theater here in the big city. Do you want to hear more? Yes, and like Four Corners Worth, please, it's Joe Schiappa. Woo! Hello. Wow, what an what intro. A, you like what that? What an intro. When you re- read it back to me, it sounds like I did stuff, so that's fantastic. I appreciate it. <laughs> that is kind I was of... like, oh, that's not, that's not bad. Sometimes I look at it, and I'm like, oh, boy. But, yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you for that intro. That's that, incredible. That is pretty good. Um, I mean, anybody who's working. You're like, wait. Joe's like, wait a second. Why am I talking to these two guys? <laughs> no. I mean, I'm honored that I'm talking to you. I just feel. You read it back, but like, oh, those are not bad credits. Those are things to be proud of. So yeah. I appreciate it. All right, good. Well, you mean working with Joey Fatone is my first question. Is does it get any bigger than that? He's not, and he's also very nice. Yes, um, that's what I hear. And he'll sing. He'll sing to you in between takes. So that's very nice of him. <laughs> um, he's he's a very nice guy. He's been he on Broadway. He's been on Broadway. Yeah, he's a real pro. Yeah, like he'll he yep. comes in and knocks it out. So. He was great. Yeah. And you've been around comedy a long time, speaking of been around. So that's why you have this nice resume of interesting stuff. That is true. And um, did you have an acting background as a child? Or you you smell of theater geek to me at all times. Like you you had to be in the theater group at high school. Yes? Am I nuts? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I did theater in high school. And then I actually started my own theater company in high school. And I rented a theater. Whoa! And, like, got all these, I like corralled all these other teenagers and their parents to like help me rent this theater and like put up plays and stuff on my own outside of school. And so, you put musicals or musicals or regular plays? No, well, the high school did musicals and I didn't like musicals, so I wrote like my own plays and then I would like rent this theater in New Haven, Connecticut, which is like the local big city, the nearest oh, wow. big city, and then I would like I somehow convinced all these other teenagers to also do it, and then we would like show it. Like to the public, like people, old people would come in and like watch it and then leave halfway through because they realized it was a group of teenagers putting on a terrible show. <laughs> but uh, the uh, I would like, you know, I was like super into like doing my own thing. So like I didn't like the high school musical crowd, oh so God. I like did my own thing. I mean, never, so, not one. You didn't do one High School Musical. You just did your. No, you I your did. Own. I did, but I always get, would get cast as like the bartender or like the <laughs> the you know the the butler, and I wanted to be like do something else. I also like wanted to direct and like write my own thing, so I didn't want to like be so, in Brigadoon again. Oh my god! So like, wait. Brigadoon. So what's the? Uh, did you have a name for the theater company? Yeah, it was, it was the most pretentious. It was called the Eclectic Theater Company, as if that was like. <laughs> Not like just a group of white kids from the suburbs coming into the city to do <laughs> show. Um, so, so um, wait, the, what's what's your parents' background? Are they theater people? <laughs> no, my dad owned, and Neil knows this because he's yeah. my father. Uh, my dad owned uh, a janitorial service. We would go into banks at night and like clean. And then my mom was a registered dietitian who had who would like go into schools and like tell kids what to eat. So I had no, I think the only thing that got me interested because I watched endless amounts of t- television as a child. Right. I think I've seen every Three's Company, every MASH, 
every wow. Munsters, like anything that was on Channel 11, P, uh, WPIX, I've watched. Right. But I think that's where the interest was. Yeah, he, and has that, the cool, and he has the coolest parents ever. You my parents? Cool. Yeah, your parents were super supportive of everything you you know you did. Yeah, I, I they were very nice about it. Like when I started like the theater company thing, they my mom like helped me run a bake sale to like raise money and stuff like that. So she was very cool about oh, it. Oh wow! I well, don't know if they were. I think part of the reason of getting into theater was to escape my childhood. So I don't know. I think it goes both ways <laughs> in terms of who they were. But well, I'm sorry. For, why would you have to escape? It sounds like you're a great parent. Wait, did you have brothers and sisters? I have two sisters. Okay. Are uh, they theater and, people? Uh, say again, Neil? Do, are, are they in the theater? No, they're both in healthcare. So my <laughs> sister, Natalie, is a nurse in Boston. Uh, well, actually, she helps with um, liver patients. And then my other sister is a, a social worker. So, so where uh, did this, they must be looking at you like, where did this come from? We have nobody in the family has any theater or anything. Well, you know what? It's interesting because my father... Years, my father. In a, this is a very strange way of getting into what this is, but the my father grew up around milkmen. He used to drive a milk truck, and you could only drive a milk truck standing up. They were one of the few trucks you get. <laughs> and a movie company came to town to Shelton, Connecticut, to make a kids movie, and they needed a, a milkman to drive the truck standing up. And they hired my father as an actor. Oh wow! And this movie they made was on HBO all the time growing up. So What's... I think that's where a lot of this interest became. Wait, it was wait, called wait. Angus Lost, and you can watch it on YouTube. Angus um, Lost, okay. I didn't yeah. know that. That's crazy. Have I never that's... showed it to you, Neil? Yeah, my dad oh. is in. I'll, I'll show you. I'll send it to you guys. But it's like uh, it's like a 15-minute movie. They would show it in schools, but they would also show it on HBO in the early days, like the early 80s, oh, like wow. in between. And he made 100 bucks for it, which is like classic show business, but they ran it all the time. Wow. But, um, wow. so your, dad, your dad was a famous character actor in Hollywood. <laughs> He was a famous character actor. Yeah, he had a yes. That he, was, he had yeah. He just he beat, sort of had like an Ernest Borgnine vibe. He just <laughs> he was going to be Ernest Borgnine until Ernest Borgnine showed up. He just yeah, yeah. he just it. he just beat my career. So good job. <laughs> good job. So where did you go to? Where did you go to college? I went to Emerson College in Boston, Massachusetts. And which was is a, yeah, it's a broadcast school. school, right? So wait, it's yep. a. Was it? Did you get an MFA, or what's what were you trying to do there? Well, I went to do film school, and then I went to one film class, and I was like, I'm not that interested in directing a movie. Uh, so I went and I got I went to the writing program, but then I was also in a group, uh, an improv group, and that's where I started doing improv called This Is Pathetic, which its former <laughs> members were like uh, David Cross and uh, oh, wow. Laura Keitlinger and. Um, Anthony Clark, who had a show on when I was in college called Boston Common, which was on NBC must-see TV lineup. <laughs> so, like, the, um, the, the Emerson had a huge pedigree. Norman Lear went there and all these, these other people. So I went to the writing program, and that's where I ended up, like, working on writing and doing – so I spent most of my college doing improv or sketch and then wow. doing writing while I was there as well and got a BFA in that. Well, that's pretty cool. And you really never – you were never really pounding out stand-up. You always went for more improv. I used to love stand-up. Back in the 90s, growing up, they had stand-up on Comedy Central would show like stand-up clips all the time. But, but you, I, know, you weren't doing it. No, I was not doing it. I knew people who, like, in college were going out every night and doing, like, two or three sets because in Boston, it's huge. They had a huge stand-up scene even then. But you would, come do our, you would come do our shows. So you, when you got to New York, you were doing some, or some live shows. Yeah, I didn't have the thing you guys had where you, like, went out and, like, did it all the time. I would do it, and then I would be like, uh, I don't know. I just would have More a bit, a and I would do time. it, and then I, I, I never really, like, worked it like you guys. You guys were, like, machines. <laughs> um, well, what was the allure then? You just really loved to do improv. I think I like doing improv because you could write on your feet and then you could kind of like do, I like doing scenes. Like I always like sketch comedy. I think scenes were like the thing I liked. I ah, liked SCTV and I liked Saturday Live. Like I think doing scenes were the, the big part of it. And that's mostly why like in the television I've written, it's been like bits or scenes. Like I like the bits aspect of it. I liked Andy Kaufman. And I liked, I don't know, like doing like um, a scene between a couple people and it having like a weird premise. Like I like that kind of stuff. And I felt like improv, you were able to do that. Once I figured out that it was beyond like doing the whose lines it anyway games. Right. I felt like the scene stuff, like the UCB stuff was really fun. Okay. So, and I, I, I think it's really helped with writing. I think it's yeah. And Lenny, in the early days we were in that class together. So we, he was directing our sketches and we were, <laughs> we were all in this like 
one person. Show oh, yeah. Class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I oh. forgot that's how I know you. Yeah. That one person show class, which oh now that God, I think that about was, it, it was a so real. The Kirsten Ames like that, class? Was that a Kirsten Ames thing? Yeah, Kirsten Ames, oh, okay. who was like a, who's a, a huge manager now, but yep. was like running. But the class was sort of like that scene in Stripes. Like every class is where they go around and introduce each other. There's like. <laughs> You know the John Candy. The there was like a, it was a real ragtag bunch of people in the class, um, including Neil and his and his and his partner Bessel. Yeah, that's right. Uh, when you guys, Lenny, we were doing some serious soul search in that class because everyone thought they had to have the most dramatic one person show ever, but no, yeah. nobody. Everyone was so young; nothing oh. happened to any of us. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Did anybody get raped? Was, anything? Nothing. No, oh. and that was there was a woman who had a story which it seemed like. She was, she was going to be assaulted by someone, and then it turned out she just crapped her pants. Like that was the extent. She had, like this, she had this long. You remember that, Neil? She had that long. Oh, lead up. I tell that story was, all the time. It was like a fifteen-minute lead-up, and then it turns out she just crapped her because she had jerk chicken on a date, and you're like, oh my god, yeah. this was. Well, that's a one-one person. Lenny, show. a four, Lenny, a forty-five-minute show built built up to her taking a poop in the woods. <laughs> Well, I've seen worse, and you know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, um, yes, you have. <laughs> so, so Joe, um, uh, yeah. let me ask you. So, you get when you get out of college, what is the goal? You're gonna come to the Big Apple, and then what? Take acting, improv by storm, or what? What was in your head? Yeah, this is great. So, great question, Lenny. Uh, I, I, uh, Second City had moved here for a little bit to to open up classes here. So I took classes in second city and then I started doing probably that's around the time I started meeting Neil, uh, and, and probably met you, but like I started to do like putting up sketches and doing stuff at the pit. I think my, I really just wanted to like write my own stuff and write and do stuff for TV. So I had started writing package for packets for late night shows. And like around the same time I got my first manager. So I think the goal had always been, the acting has been fun, but I think the real thing was always like writing weird, funny bits and trying to get them on TV or, or make my own stuff. What was so I, I? What was the dream? Was it Saturday Night Live or what's what's your dream job? You know, at one point it was, and then it was. I think the dream sort of it kept evolving and shifting to like, oh, what if I just created a show of my own, or I created this like you know, now what would be like podcasts or like comedy albums and things like that. I think it became the dream was to like, I don't know. I think eventually it became the dream was to like get a job and keep making funny stuff. I think that was always the dream. Okay. So Um, what was the, what were you doing then to make money and what are you doing and what encompasses it now to make money? You know, like where are you in the showbiz uh, niche to make money writing these series? Yeah. So a lot of money comes from, teaching and then the other comes from doing uh like these game show cable shows i've written for like a ton of mtv stuff i've written for award shows so it comes from writing stuff for other people and then it also comes in uh teaching comedy teaching writing teaching storytelling nice so i really split it between the two um you know some years are really good and then other years are not as good as others but you know i I think in the last five years has been pretty consistent since I started so, like my first MTV job. So how does the, how does the whole IFC show come along? You have this idea. How, explain that. That's the that's the yeah one sport I want court. Over. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. So the sport court. So I read an article. I was working on an ad agency, and I had was doing research for a project they were working on, and I had read an article that the Philadelphia Eagles had a court in their stadium because the fans <laughs> were so terrible that they didn't is, want to take them downtown. That's true. So they would bring them to the basement. And just prosecute them right there, and then move them along. So I thought that was a good idea for a TV show, and I did not. I can't. I couldn't believe that nothing was done about it already. So then I talked to my manager about it, and we went into IFC, and they had like an incubator, which is called the Comedy Crib, and they gave me a, a, a large sum of money to like go and like make a basically test run of the show. Jeez. So I made six episodes, and it was more about this judge that sort of like doubt like he's like the least he's sort of on the bottom of the barrel of judges and he's given this job of this like arena in Hartford Connecticut which is also like a town that needs hope in some way and they uh he starts prosecuting these fans that come through but it really took on a different thing about his life and how sad it was rather than 
just like a bunch of crazy fans coming in because that was like the thing of like it's hard to do a show where like it's just crazy people all the time you need to ground it in some way so when the first god neil sorry but when isc hires you they hire you and you do everything you do the casting the writing the yeah so are you they're like everything they're like here's some money and then i hired my friends had a production company so they actually did all the like producing of it i don't have a production company so they were able to like and my friend shana directed them all i wrote them all and then we shot for a couple days inside like this warehouse in brooklyn so um they were like you do everything and then they they sort of put it up and advertise it so what does isc say like what do they come after you for like oh that you use this person you use this person or no they no they were like uh they gave me some notes on the script, which were helpful, and they were like, you can use whoever you want. My friend Chris, who's the, basically the lead in it, had already been on high maintenance in Broad City, so he had a little bit of a pedigree I, going I, into it. People knew who he was, and then I sort of filled it out with other people. I, like Monique, who's also in it, is on a show on Netflix called The, um, the Astronomy Club. Uh, there's a bunch of other people in it that were also, you know, sort of been on around or on Comedy Central. So. It's weird. I didn't get a uh, call for that. Did you get a call for that, Neil? Did you get a, an audition for that, Neil? No, no. He, uh, they they wanted to skew a little younger. Ah, I see. Uh, so nobody... I just had to like, yeah. you know. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the judge. Oh, that's the judge. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, the traditional Southern judge you play, which I forgot. <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> oh, shit. Um, well, now, wait. Wait, go we, ahead. Lenny, we got to wrap it up, Neil. So the one question, oh. I just want to mention okay. this before we move on to the, the second thing. It, the second corner is that just a quick note, side note, um, Boston common, that show uh, that yeah. you loved, um, Zach Galifianakis, who we started with yes. had a little role in that show and that's what launched yeah. his career basically. And Neil, I, that was, that was before anything else, right? Was that yeah. the first thing? No, yep. That was his big break. Yeah. He, he did a walk on, on the Anthony Clark thing and, and then Neil a... hated television ever since. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> You started out. You two started out with Zach, right? Like yes. you kind of Were you doing stuff at the burger joint? He talks about like uh, the, hamburger, the, Harry's. hamburger Harry's or whatever. I saw him yeah. there, but mostly stand up New York. We would see him at stand up New York, and the funny thing about that was like, um, like uh, he had nothing, and people to this day can't believe you worked with that guy. You know that guy. Know that guy. We we were eating out of the toilet together. It's ridiculous. You know? <laughs> I've met him a couple times, and he couldn't have been nicer. Yeah, he's to the me. sweetest. And I had met him in a meeting once, and he couldn't have been nice. Like he was a nice. He seemed like a nice guy. So he's I don't know a, what your experience was with him. He's but. a very nice guy. Neil is just jealous. Okay, let's go to the second corner. <laughs> I love it. And that's uh, improv. I want to talk about improv because um, I'm always fascinated by improv. Bethel and I did. Uh, they had a thing called Gotham City Improv. And Bethel and I did all four levels of Gotham City Improv. <laughs> I did that. I did shows there. Like, I, we did, like, a play night there and stuff like that. I remember that theater. It was, like, above the sushi place, right? Yeah. Is that where you did yeah. that? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. And it was yeah. Gotham on City On 23rd Improv, Street. On 23rd Street. On 23rd Street. And Gotham City Improv used to be Groundlings East. Oh, okay. And then the Groundlings pulled out, and those people stayed and created their own thing, which I thought was interesting. They the, used to have a sign in there, Groundlings East. This all so the, I, guess the I really enjoyed it. Lenny, just so you guys know, Lenny and Bethel were they their two choices for improv were they are going to go study with Amy Poehler at this place called UCB or Gotham <laughs> City. Yeah, we might have yeah, made the right choice. Yeah, of course. It was, <laughs> Bethel talked me into that as well. Like she goes, I know where we should go. And, um, of course, Bethel is better than I am, um, of course. And then the basics, you know, it would drive me – it was starting to drive me nuts. You know, like I, the yes and, first of all, you had to be positive. You know, that's a positive stance right there, the yes and right. thing. And I am very much no but. <laughs> so – <laughs> and right, so that right. was bad. And then uh, I was extremely average because comedians, stand-up comedians, like to write the line and perfect the line, you know. Yeah. And this was like you have to go with everything, and you can't say no. So anybody in the audience to, yells out something, ask, and I would be like, "Ugh, I would. I don't want to do that." <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, I wonder, like, as a stand-up, do you when you. There is some improv aspect to it that you're tweaking it on stage. You go, or do you, Lenny, when you write, do you go and have it 
line like word for word and you repeat that word for word no i have act that out on stage when it's done it's word for word but it's there is a little leeway where you can play around and then in that space that's where i do my improv but there's no feedback from the crowd you know like there's no every once in a while they'll give you some little direction but there's no like listening back to what you know to to shape it back from that they're not yelling out another line to me you know (laughs) it's me trying all the lines right i'm trying all the lines you know so i my i like telling the story about improv so we're i'm in this improv group after this is done bethel's gone on to be brilliant actress and uh i meet these guys they put me in improv i'm the worst by far and all these guys a lot of these guys have gone on you've seen them on television a million times like john hartman this guy's in every commercial ever you know and then um my cousin was in town at the time, this Israeli guy, right? My cousin Oren. And he would come to all these improv shows, which had seven people in the crowd, you know, classic improv yeah. show. And every time we would, he would like yell out a scene from a movie that you want to see. And every <laughs> single time he would yell out, Rocky 42. Rocky 42. <laughs> he just wanted you to 42. Till finally, like nine shows in, we decide to act out like the oldest Rocky scene in the history of time. So, you know, and then, and then, of course, on the way home, he would critique the whole show. You're so bad. I don't know why you even you do that. You know, like, uh, so I, it, I, but that was it. I got, t- he broke me. I got tired of some idiot yelling out, you know, you're, you know, your mother's a whore. Go. And then I have to go, yes, and. You know, like she was, yeah. she was the greatest whore. Like I respect it, <laughs> but I can't deal with a lot of that stuff. I don't know how you guys do. Lenny, well, Joe, Lenny, Lenny has a problem. So, like, if you if he says a line and you say something back improv, he's like, well, "That's the wrong line." Yeah, like, why wrong. did you say that line? So it was really hard for him to <laughs> but, not write on the fly. But what I did I like think- with Gotham when we got to the fourth level. It started to morph into sketch. So it was half improv show and half sketch show. And then I realized right there, like, oh, I like this way, way better, you know? Yeah, I like the the sketch aspect of it is more fun to me in that you get a premise and then you, like, you did it half-assed. Then you go back and you – I've gotten some good stuff doing that and then going back and writing it the way you want to write it. I feel like it's a good tool. It's also helped me in other ways in my life and even to focus. But I don't – as a as a art form to watch, it's like more awful than it is good. Yeah, like that's it's never right. honed, right? Like that's right. It could always. I, I I saw Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall once say improv could always use a rewrite, and I think that's true. <laughs> so I, I think it's a good tool. You know, when I'm writing a script or I'm writing um, with a partner, I think it's been really helpful to like not get. I do think I've come up with better things than I could have come up with on my own when working with someone else and like giving up some sort of like ego about it. Mm-hmm. But I do think improv as itself is pretty hard to watch. Like I've taught, what would I say, thousands of hours of improv, and even I, there's some moments where I'm like, I can't believe I I'm doing this right now. <laughs> but you still see, you still see in those classes, like there is always a guy that or a girl that's just. So much better than the rest of the stuff. Oh, right. easily. And I've had people. I had Joe Firestone, who's a pretty successful alt comedian now, and and she's on Adult Swim and stuff like that. And she came in and was definitely the one of the best people I've ever seen. Like she, just the way. And so that's exciting to see other people be so good. Yeah, and I love watching comedy. Like I've always loved. Like well, what makes a, what people. makes an improv person so much better? It's hard to explain. I mean, it's, I guess I, it's like a stand up in a they, way that they, they have that. Thing. I think it's I think it's making your shitty idea better, and also looking good themselves in the same way. Well, they like, I think it's like go ahead. I think they're able to relax, Neil, on stand more than anybody, and they're not worried. They just know they have the faith in themselves that the next line. They'll be able to think quick enough to react to what's coming at them quick. Me, it was always like I'm in such like nervous wreck. I'm standing in front of an audience. Right. I'm a nervous wreck. And if the line coming at me, if I don't come up with that great line, I need like I'm just a slow thinker. Even when I did math, to, you know, like I just need to check my work twice <laughs> and stuff like that. I need to like I need five right. choices at the line. What do you guys think about this? What do you guys think about this? What do you guys think about that? But you don't have the luxury of time, so. Those guys have just faith in what they do, and then it's going to come out funny. 
I, I think if too, like if you work with the same people over and over again, you know their moves and you could kind of, you, I've seen it where you like, you start, even the UCB for um, originally, you start, if you go enough, you start to see they kind of do the same bits over and over again and, and just in different ways. Like your mind only is locked into a certain way of thinking. So you start to do the same things over and over again and not in a shitty way, but just like you start to have a, a way of working with someone that it, it you it'll it will never not be awful. It'll oh yeah, good, I mean know? right now I can only do Rocky Forty Two. <laughs> <laughs> That's the and only because you've done it so many times. I know. Cut me, me. Every, every, Cut me. every time Lenny does an improv show, he makes me come to the show and yell out Rocky Forty Two. <laughs> but, but you guys work together, don't you? You yeah. must have a shorthand at this point. And we like, do. We do, and and when like, when we would do, super, you might say, yeah, go ahead, sorry, sorry, go when we would do superstar talent, like we would, if we got stuck on a scene, I'm like, let's just Neil would say improv, and then so we would just kind of work out what he would say, what I would say, and then just sure. kind of flow with that. So we we that that when you're comfortable with the other person within a confines of the sketch, I'm all for that stuff, you know, like just let the yeah. camera roll and let's see what happens. And, but even the water balloon short you guys made felt loosey-goosey in a way that like even that felt like you and you and neil had like an easy chemistry which i think is important well we we you know when you i think it's just we know all knew each other well that helps you know what i mean and yeah absolutely and we were basically he he wrote us in character (laughs) so it was ridiculous (laughs) Um, it was easy because we were all called by our own name it was like we were doing ourselves the thing about improv i wanted to ask you like that what what are you actually learning there like is it really is it to me it's a complete listening exercise and like i just want to say ew because i'm the world's worst listener but it is that's why i was there to really listen so you can play off another actor it was more of to learn how to act so it was helpful. The listening was the most important thing that I learned from improv. Yeah, I think listening is the. I think just in general, human beings are terrible listeners. So I think it doesn't matter if it's you or me. I'm a terrible listener. I think we're all terrible listeners to slow down and to listen to someone and to hear what they're saying and then try to like take what they're saying and make something out of it. I think is like in, like one of the bigger things of improv. I wouldn't even say yes and is the the biggest thing. It would agreement is good that we're all in the same reality together mm-hmm. um but i do think the the listening is the hugest part to like really focus on something and really listen i think that's i think that's the biggest thing that i've learned from it just as someone who like was diagnosed with add i oh, think wow. to slow down and to like actually listen and hear people was good and also to come up with ideas really quickly and not to judge it i think is good and then to go back and look at the ideas and be like, oh, I can use this, I can use this, I can use this. What? I think is also another good tool. Those people, okay, my big question. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Lenny. No, no, go ahead. You go because we're running out of time. Oh, my big question is, okay, so the improv, before the whole quarantine, before the pandemic, yeah. the improv scene in New York takes off. And then uh, I'm surprised there's not a show like called Improv Wars or something. So what's going on with this improv scene? Like, you know, I love the pit because we perform there and we've had some yeah, great sure. fun shows at the pit. And then there's obviously UCB. There's like, there, it's a war, right? There's well, it was, and I, I there's no more UCB here in New York as it was. So that's the quarantine had pretty much gotten like they went out of they couldn't afford to be here anymore. So I, don't, I, I really don't know what's going to happen. I think there will always be like stand up. I would assume there will always be a place where people are going to want to perform somewhere. So I think it's just. It's the end of one cycle and probably the beginning of another once this is all over. Oh, that whole UCB, that whole world's kind of done. It's, I think in New York it is. Yeah, I mean they, they're not. They closed up the theater, so I think I think the magnet and the pit are left. I, I don't. I think people will go to either one. I think there'll always be a place. I just it won't be the war of what where are you going where's the cool kid club i don't think that'll be as much because <laughs> the improv really blew up there for a little bit i guess in the yeah the improv and sketch but i think everything's cyclical i think everything is you know it yeah. goes yeah every... we'll see what the next thing is i think stand-up will is uh, has always been huge i think that'll be continued to do so after all this as well upright citizens brigade was like the big thing here and i remember seeing them back in the day like when they were really just starting to really pop i went you know when they did a herald which is for those people yeah. out there, what is that? Just long, what they call long form improv. It just yeah, keeps it's a, going. It's a series of scenes that kind of wraps up. So it like organically sort of like becomes a, a, a play basically. Right. So it's a bunch of scenes that sort of add up to a play, which is, it's super hard to do and it's hard to 
it's hard for anybody to sort of that's sort of a higher level of playing and they were games they were very good at it and i was really impressed with the way they seamlessly all four kind of very calmly work together and they obviously uh, they've gone on to great things most of them or all of them really but the one when i left i i remember distinctly going the girl amy polo was the best you know what i mean like easy yeah and i was just like oh my god she was fantastic and but we also knew some people in a there was a rival group back then called Live on Tape and um and they were they actually did like SNL would do 3 weeks and then do 1 week off and they filmed a pilot for that you know their basically their sketches in that week and the, the taping didn't go that well as I guess it didn't the thing didn't get picked up but all I remember is there was every improv group seems to have one or two breakout stars and it ruins the group, which, uh, Birbiglia's movie, he had a movie called don't think twice about improv. Yeah. And it was like one guy's yeah. hits it and leaves. Right. So what, yeah. uh, what, um, that really is like the thing, you know, everybody, what do you do with improv? You become an actor, you, you, you break out of those groups and you leave people hanging or how do you feel about that whole, I mean, what happens guess, to these people? I mean, it's it's strange. I think a lot of people I know took improv and then became TV writers or became writers. I right. think I've known a lot of people. It's hard. I think with any like sketch group, there's always one dude or one lady or whatever that like breaks out. I remember seeing a, a friend tape a pilot for it was a sketch show for uh, Logo. My friend Dion was in it. And then there was a woman in it named Kate McKinnon. And I saw <laughs> Kate McKinnon in it. And she was honest, honest to God, the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And I, and she's the one that broke out of this logo show that was on maybe one season that Rosie O'Donnell produced or whatever. Yeah. So like, I, I wish I remember the name of it, but like, she was incredible. So like, I, I yeah, I think the thing, I think the great people go on, and then I think there are other jobs that people sort of, you know, um, other jobs or other positions. I know a lot of people that have left show business after their group fell apart. So I, I think there are choices, but I think most, there is always, you're right, Len, I think there's always the breakout person that comes and you're like, that person's a star and they usually they usually end up being a star, like the Amy Polers or the Kate McKinnon. I, I just want to end with this. I never, it's weird. Of all the years I was thinking while I was writing these notes up that I've never ever been anywhere like the guy I met or you walk, hey, what do you do? I'm a stockbroker. Oh, yeah. What do you do? I'm a stand-up comedian. I did improv back in the day. Like, I don't, I don't ever remember somebody actually bringing that up. Like, he was in an improv group, and that's the way he was going. You know, like I think people just bury that. They don't want to admit it at the end of the day if they don't oh. make it. It's super embarrassing too. Like to tell <laughs> someone you're you do improv is super embarrassing. Like it's like. I'd rather tell somebody that I like I do poetry and make no money than I would rather <laughs> tell somebody that I do improv. <laughs> like I think because everybody has like a weird perception of it or that you're like unreliable right. or like a deadbeat in some way. Like I, I think it's a stand-up comedian. I almost think you could say to someone and be like, oh, that's amazing. Like I feel like people would uh, – if you tell someone you do improv, yeah. They're like that. I always tell people I'm either a writer or I, I I'm a teacher. It's really hard to tell someone. Also, it's really hard to, and the reason why improv doesn't really live well on TV or anything is because it's really hard to explain and it seems super artsy. Yeah. Like it, I think an audience can't process what they're watching. Is it written? Is it not written? Like I I think it's hard to even sell as something. So I think I don't know. It's I, just a hard thing. I think those guys uh, uh, who you know you know, age out of improv or whatever, they should, they should go on to be criminals because they could, Definitely. you know, morph into, yeah, yes. And that is my checkbook or yes. And most criminals now are stealing checkbooks. So that's good. Yeah, there you go. They morph into, <laughs> you know, identity. Well, Eddie, you just broke out an improv. I, identity thief. Yeah. You know, all right, <laughs> let's move on. All right. I want to make a hard uh, corner and it's called, this is called, we never played this game before. So, it's called predict the future. Okay. Oh, this is a new. This is a new game. New thing that we're gonna do called predict the why future. Did, why did Neil act so surprised? Like he, you announced it earlier at the beginning, and Neil, <laughs> Neil acted like he had never heard of it before. I'm, 
that's called improv it's right improv. there, baby. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. I love uh, it. Wait, Lenny, is, when did you come up with this game? Like, is this a game that you came up like in the middle of the night, or is this a game? Well, we've been doing News Rundown, and it can get very serious very quick. And as you know, I like to keep this show – you know, lighthearted and fun, and we can. I think this is a way to. I know, you know, my mom. My mom said I didn't think Lenny got so political, but what's going on with him? <laughs> well, I definitely have strong feelings now of where we are in the world, especially since I've been in this apartment for what sixty-five days now, and and it's mm-hmm. same thing every day. That's got to come back to what's going on in the country. Anyway, let's do this game. It's called Predict the Future. Okay, and. First one I'm going to say is an, very just quick thoughts. That's all we need is quick thoughts. Are we in a re-lockdown in the fall? It seems like we're coming out of this one. Are we are going back to that serious no toilet paper lockdown coming in the fall? Uh, I think uh, not maybe, but not as bad. That's what I meant by prediction. I went to my doctor for a checkup yesterday, and I asked him about that, and he said, uh, hopefully we have the infrastructure for it. I, I laid a lot out on my doctor. No, today, what, he, think, what he said was, <laughs> through, exactly. his, through his mask. You know, he, what was weird is that he was wearing a mask, and every time he breathed in, it like sucked into his mouth, and he like spit it back out again. And so it was like hard. It literally was hard to hear him talk the entire time. It was hard to take him seriously. Uh, right. Neil, what do you think? Were you locked down in the fall? I say... I say it comes back in the fall, but the reaction is completely different. Meaning everyone nobody's going to do like, it? Everyone's just like, fuck it. I'm going – I don't care. I'm going full full tilt out in the world. Like it, they won't be able to lock everybody in. They won't be able to quarantine anybody, Here, but it will come back. Here's what I think. It's going to be re-locked down the fall. It's going to be tw- like just as bad if not worse. It's going to be really bad. And then by like you know November, it's going to be like – Again, we're in a panic, awful mode. But that's somewhere maybe the timing might, you know, if uh, a new administration comes in, maybe it'll, everybody will be calmer. I don't well, know. I'll, tell, I don't I'll know. tell you one thing. I am not voting for Trump again. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. We have, we have something just for that. Uh, where is it? Oh, where's, you can't get a sound effects when you need it. There it is. All right. Um, so... Here's my next question. It's good that you led with that. So here's the next predict predict the future. What is the next? And Neil's going to love this one. What is the next crazy Trump thing? Okay. So like he had a progression where, okay, he fired ambassadors and to get out of stuff, he's fired attorney general. I mean, um, the attorney general, he's filed the inspector generals. He said to, then he's, they up the ante with the hydrochloroquine pills. And then he's like, inject yourself with the, Stupid Clorox into yourself, whatever that you know. This, what is the next craziest thing? Predict the future. Go ahead, Joe. I I think that he tries to arrest Joe Scarborough. <laughs> like he tries one. to get him arrested. That's a good. One. I think I think that would be the next power move. I think that's what he's leading up to with the tweets. I think that he tries. He literally tries to get the police to re- on on no on no charge, like nothing that anybody could prove. Neil, I think he tries to get him arrested. Neil, go ahead. Well, it's funny. It's funny because I thought he was going to try to arrest uh, Clinton or Obama, but he went right. after Obama. But that faded out. I thought I thought he'd do a high-profile arrest, but I guess I was talking the other day. I think the next big thing, mm-hmm. and I don't know if Trump's going to pull it off, is either war with China. Right. He'll, there'll be a, like a war with China. That'll be huge ratings. That's how he thinks. It'll be like that's going to be huge fucking ratings, like a war with China. Yeah. Because that or some kind of alien thing. That's how desperate he's going to become. <laughs> but they already, they already did the alien thing, Neil. They showed video of alien ships and no one cared. Literally, it was a thing for a day and then no one cared about it. Yeah, I, I saw that. I think it's going to expand more. I think that because he's built up his space force. And I think that is, and then everyone's going to join this. All his crazy people will be joining the space force and he'll just send them out in space. Just I, something, I think I his next one is going to be very subtle. Like a subtle racism thing, you know, like he says, people are good on both sides of like a crazy racist group, you know. But yep. I'd say I think he's going to be like he's going to call like a woman sweet tits just like that'll stick in <laughs> or, or like maybe like the N word or N word adjacent, you know, those coloreds. He'll say something like yep. that. Like it's going to be something ridiculous. That you go, oh, my God, that that's what I think is going to happen. 
<laughs> okay. All right. Does Let's... that blow into a bigger thing? Does that, or uh, do you think probably you're just going to start not. dropping that into tweets? Yep. Uh, oh, I think it's good. No, I want that. I think that's going to be on camera. And then it'll be like, I never said it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I never said <laughs> it. I lo- that's all he's gonna say is I never said it. I'm like, but we have tape on it. I never said that. <laughs> it's so sad. It's so sad. This is the president of the United States. Yeah, it's always I'm joking after that one, even though no, he's never made a joke in his life. All right, let's see. Um, the next one I want to say: which season actually finishes to completion, like the next time we have a season? So, like for full preseason, all the way through the playoffs, through the end, NBA, NHL, MLB, NFL. Now. MLB is at a little disadvantage. If they started now, you'd only have 80 games, so you'd have to go to next year. Same thing with the NBA if they finish this one and the NHL finishes this one. So NFL really has the first shot at it, but I personally don't think they're going to get through this NFL season with a second wave. So that season's going to come to an abrupt end. So what is the next time we're at a normal season? Go ahead, Neil. You go first. I say NFL makes it through. I think that at least half the crowd thinks it's fake, so they'll just be there. Yeah, but the league might shut down. The league might shut it down. What? The league might shut it down. I don't think so. I think they'll just. I think they're gonna just. I think it's either college football in the SEC or NFL. NFL is just gonna plow forward. They don't even care. Like there could be people dying in the crowd, and they'll just keep going. Okay, I think it'll be the next year's baseball season. We'll see. And Joe, do you have a prediction for us? I was going to agree. I agree with you, Lenny. I think it's going to be next. We'll see spring training next year. I, I think agree. that'll be the next time we'll be like, okay, we'll do a whole season. I think, I think so it'll too. be spring training 2021. I think bull riding season also will probably get <laughs> cut off real quick. <laughs> I, I think like that. The, the rate of infection between the bulls and the riders i think it's super high i think it could go animals to person so i think that's going to be it's going to be nipped in the butt um i'm Bull riding it is if we go back into quarantine i like we were coming into spring and there was you know that's inherent hope if we go into the fall into like december january with a, a lockdown oh my god i don't even i don't know how we're gonna cope but anyway i was reading though that i was reading that super rich people right like the the one percent all have their like quarantine places or yeah. that's becoming more popular. Yeah. Well now, now like all the summer houses have opened up in the Hamptons. So, and it's funny, the Hamptons people are like, we don't want you to come here anymore. <laughs> you know, we don't want you to come to your summer house. You bring in the stuff with you from Manhattan. Like they're the elitists out there. Anyway, let's go next prediction. Okay. Give me one celebrity death in the next like year. One celebrity death. Do you want me to go? Neil, yeah. do you have one? I don't have one yet. Uh, one celebrity. Lenny, you got one? I got one. I'm going to go. I'm, I don't know why it's hit me, and I hope he doesn't, but, you know, I'm a big fan. John Goodman. I just have a feeling he's been <laughs> – I just I, – that popped in my head. I just had this horrible feeling one day, and I was like, haven't heard anything from him. His weight always is going up and down, but he looks healthy now. Just had a weird – just had a weird – I'm just going to go on a limb, and uh, hopefully, John, be healthy. Stay healthy out there. That's my prediction. Neil? I'm going to say I'm going to go music world, maybe Eddie Van Halen. I don't know why Ooh. that popped in my head. Yeah, you know, he's been sick. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, oh, he's been sick. He was, yeah. He's been sick. Yeah, off and on sick. Or Huey Lewis, who has been sick for a long time. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like blind or something, right? No, yeah, or he can't yeah. talk, I think. One of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil? I- I'm going with a big one. Uh, because I know uh, there's been a lot of blowback online with Tom Hanks and Oprah, and I'm going to go one of them because they're stealing child brain parts underneath their houses, and that's the, they're stealing that adrenaline from the kids, so that, one of them. That's the conspiracy theory you heard? That That is. You, you said that to me the other day, and I looked it up. I can't find anything on Tom Hanks and Oprah Winfrey. Like, they, <laughs> people don't like them? Is that what it is? <laughs> no, Tom Hanks and Oprah Winfrey are... Uh, stealing kids, part of the they lead the world in stealing part of the child for not child pedophilia or stealing kids, but they're not they're stealing kids to take the adrenaline from their brain and that helps them stay young. Right. Okay. Oprah, Oprah usually looks terrible, 
so I don't understand where that. <laughs> but I guess so. I'm going with. I know all of a sudden they threw Tom Hanks under the bus. Like Tom Hanks is like the perfect guy. He has all a right. great, amazing film career. So I'm going with one of those two. All right, fine. I'm going to run out of children brain stuff. Got it. All right. So these are quick. We're running out of time in this segment. I kind of like it. We may do this again at some point. I'm going to do quick three Corona questions real quick. You can give me yes, no, and one sentence. All right, guys? Here we go. Yeah. Um, let's go to Joe. Will you go to a movie in a theater in the next year? No. Oh, how about a play? No. Neil, one year from today, I'll- will have you have gone to a theater or a play in the next year? I would definitely go to a, a Broadway show. I'd probably go now if I get tickets to Hamilton. Just Wait, that, will, I, I you go, <laughs> will you go? Will you go? Yes to yes to a Broadway show, especially if the tickets are cheaper, and then no to a theater. I gotcha. So the the price point is really what would drive you to the theater, <laughs> not the health and safety concerns. <laughs> I'd, yeah. risk, I'd risk my life to see uh, some of these shows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire. You really need to see Mrs. Doubtfire. Bro. <laughs> it's just like I the movie, Neil. It's just like the movie. There, if I could be there opening night to Miss Doubtfire, it would be <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you need to see that song where that she gets the um the the cream on her face to hide from the social worker. You need to see exactly. That the, the, all I do, like all I do in the show the whole the whole two hours to go like that was in the movie that wasn't <laughs> yeah. in the movie that was in the movie. All right, what about this one? Will you eat a full meal with friends at a restaurant in the next year? Wait, you didn't, you didn't answer. Oh, buddy. I I say no and no. There's no way. No. Yeah, there's no way. Yep. Will you eat a full meal with friends at a restaurant? Uh, Check and everything. If, maybe if we're the only people in the restaurant. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Neil? Maybe. I I definitely a big yes, and I can't wait for that conversation where everyone's like, oh, I bet we're dying. Oh, I bet. You know, it's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> wait, you're joking about it, or you're actually saying, I think I've, this is the, my you're best gonna, meal? Yeah, because the whole meal, everyone's going to be like, uh, that, that, that. Fish just killed you. Okay. <laughs> it's just going to be the most awful meal ever. Yeah, that's why that's I'm not the level going. Of conversation you're having. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's ridiculous. Yes. All right, all right. Will I miss going out to eat at restaurants? That's probably the, one of the things I. Miss. I, I, I would. I would agree with you. I, that's one of the things I miss. Okay, yeah, now I want you to all just know in your head the number. Now you have to. Know, you have a savings account, both of you. Yep. Okay. The number in your head in your savings account right now, whatever it is, right this second, will you have more money in your savings account one year from today? Uh, either the same or less, I'd say. The same exact number? Probably less than that, yeah. All right. Neil, same exact number, more or less? No, I think that it's going to get really ugly. I'm saying absolutely lower, a lot lower. Yeah, it uh, depends on what we do in the next coming year. That's for sure. Um, th- it depends on what happens in July, and we'll bring that up later, Neil. Um, I'm going to say probably lower. Um, okay, and last one real quick. Uh, you just have to give me yes or no. Will Trump win again? Mm, uh, I want to say no, just to be optimistic. Okay, I'm saying no. Neil? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going optimistic. The world's got to... I'm saying he can't win. Please. All right, cool. Well, you can't win, please. <laughs> I hope not. All right, let's move on to the final corner. Um, the final corner today, we're going to play a game, Joe, called This, That, or The Other Thing. All right. Okay. I give you a choice of one of two things. Which would you take? Or you go off the board and take a third one. Cool? Okay. Very easy. So writing a script. We try and tailor it to you a little bit. Writing a script. Okay. When you're writing right. a script, do you write on a computer, a pen, and or a pen and paper? Uh, computer. I feel like a pen and paper would be uh, a huge pain in the ass. But yeah, I use a computer. Like Final Draft, or you just write it out? Like yeah, you know, um, John August, the screenwriter, has a great um, screenwriting uh, uh, program called Highland, okay. which I highly recommend. And it's like in simple text. It's super easy to use, and much easier than Final Draft. Oh wow! Okay. And you can take notes in it. And then the other thing I use is Microsoft OneNote, which I keep all my files and shitty ideas in. Ah, nice. So okay. I, I do keep a pen and paper around, and I like to think that I would use it more, but I definitely use my computer the most. Neil? 
computer or pen yeah, and paper? My, uh, I use the notes on my iPhone, and then I use uh, – that's where I write all my ideas and stuff, and then I use uh, Final Draft or whatever to write in. So all computer. When I'm writing um, – like if I have to write a script or something like that, I have to write dialogue really quickly. That's coming out of my head. I'll use I'll use a notepad. I still use the legal pads, and I, start, you know, I just really quick. Lenny, boom, 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 says this. Neil, boom, boom, says this. Joe says this. You know, really quick. And then, of course, when I have it, some semblance of something, then I'll transfer it into something. You like, have like the um, the Seinfeld thing where you keep all your legal pads in like a drawer in your house, yes. right? Yeah, you well, not legal pads. Your... They're more like yellow stickies. I got more yellow stickies with ideas for notes. Remember when he's doing that one where he can't read it? Flaming Globes of Sigmund or whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's what I have, just notes that sometimes I wrote in the middle of the night, just notes that I've written down. And then now, and I, now a little more so if I'm – I can't have the pen and paper with me, you know, walking around. It's easier to just take out the phone. I do have a note thing in the phone that I just write the notes yeah. in there. So well, could it. either one of could either one of you write on a? I mean, type on a computer. I mean, a typewriter, a real typewriter. No, no. absolutely not. God, I would rather no. write. I would. I would do. I would do a legal pad. I used to do legal pads, and I I still like them. I would. I would definitely write a whole script, a hundred twenty page script on a legal pad before I use a typewriter. Yeah, and do you, but do either one of you jump in even the different direction? Do either one of you uh, just talk the script into into Siri or whatever? You don't, you don't type at all. No, I I think the typing, like I can like really get into the flow state of typing where I'm like I'm in it, and then like the erase, like I've just gotten into a groove. I think the the talking, I would also get really self conscious. I sound like an idiot. Like everybody. <laughs> walked by they'd be like this person's losing their mind i could not <laughs> i feel like super weird about it yeah i don't know i i just like writing it out real quick write the idea if i can write it out real quick then it usually has a shot of doing something i yeah talking nah no you neil you talk into the computer no no i don't do that either it drives me crazy all right let's go to the next but you one. tried it though right i did try it right it's it just a pain in the ass. It the doesn't come out right. The computer is like, How many software you... programs have you bought and said to yourself, this is the one I'm going to use all the time, and this <laughs> is going to make me? How many times have you done that with the software programs? Well, pretty much everything in my life, I go and buy it first, and yeah. then I don't use it. <laughs> like, Same. Yeah. Very much yeah. like a gym. I'm like, I'm joining the gym, yeah. and then I never go. So it's that. Yeah. That's a, there's a, like at least 100. Yeah. I agree. I, I, I knew you did that. That's why I kind of teed you up for that answer. That's so yeah. funny. Well, he, I got to say that Neil's pretty way different than me. Like He could just pull out that laptop. He just pulls it out of the bag like a pro, plugs it in, and he could just – Bring up the script and type away. I'm like, I yeah. could. Ne- I got to write it down first, then trans, then put it in there. Again, it's just slow thinking. There you go. Yeah. Have like, you ever have you re- ever read a Neil Potter first draft? That's oh, what's going on. Don't even. <laughs> I think you probably got to. You got to remember though, for the for like two years when I lived with my brother, he kicked me out of the apartment, and so therefore I spent so much time at the Barnes and Noble on Union Square. I just yeah. that'd be the only place I had to live, so I have to go there eight hours per day. Joe, have you ever read a Neil Potter last draft? It's not any more coherent. <laughs> just letting you know. I did. I, I would say Neil Neil Potter, and I know we're. I don't want to make Neil think we're. I'm picking on him, but. Neil did write the funniest thing I've ever read in a script where a, a character or something goes into Dwayne Reed and someone's stocking, stocking Twizzlers. And he's like, oh, I'm here to see the doctor. And the guy goes, I'm the doctor and leads him into the like the, the doctor at Dwayne Reed was also the person stocking the Twizzlers. I don't know why I thought that was so funny. And I had not seen that before. And it was such a funny observation because the doctor, Dwayne Reed, is always like ringing up someone's like um, Oreos, too. Yeah. <laughs> so like. Like how demeaning that must be for the doc. I, I just thought it was so funny. And Neil has well, the, funny bits like that. I think the C- well, the, the CVS in New York, you're like waiting there, and then they got all the 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 cheese it boxes on the side. So it's yeah. all the same. So but like when the pharmacist has to ring up your cheese its and also like your whatever Cymbalta you yeah, need, I feel so bad for the, the pharmacist so, who like went to school. <laughs> it's so bizarre. That's a funny bit. I like that. It's a funny uh, bit. I have a bit that Neil's that first part, not the second part, but I do have the first part. I think Neil told me that, and I did write a bit about that, and it's on one of my albums now. About, oh, cool. that's yeah. awesome! Yeah, that's great. It made it. I, one of, I think that uh, I think that uh, I have more. I would say I would compete with anybody in the world. I think I have more 
25 page screenplays than anybody in the world. <laughs> oh, just you have, you wrote out the first act and then you yeah. never finished it. He's got great yeah, premises. Like, well, you and I, you and I had a horror movie we tried to write, and then we had another thing too. We uh, tried that, to write. I forgot. Yeah, the horror movie we were yeah, trying yeah. to pump out. Lionsgate was buying anything. <laughs> <laughs> they were. They were. <laughs> Um, all right, let's do another one. This one is um, sh- with shorts, and you go in with, when you're wearing your sneakers, I guess, unless you're you know one of those people who wear shoes with shorts. Um, you go no-show socks, quarter socks, calf socks. What kind of socks? I'm a big no-show guy. Okay. Uh, I like a no-show, um, but I as as I become more of a dad, I have a five-year-old. I think my sock length has creeped up to where I think I will probably get to. I will probably get to like ankle or a cap half calf socks at some point <laughs> why why are they going up i don't know i think it's just a, i i find myself like browsing amazon for like you know high like almost like knee high socks now is your uh oh, is your belt also going up <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah i'm also getting taller yeah, yeah. <laughs> your belt is going up your waist i mean like your oh pants. yes yes yeah. one of yeah. those things. yeah neil no show. Uh, Neil's, no show. Neil's no, no show. No show. But even I'll add to more. I need a tab in the back. A little bit in the back. Oh, you need the tab, the little thing that comes out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I'm All a little. Right. I'm a little more show than Neil. Just I like. I don't even know what they're called. I think they're called. They're not called quarter socks. They're like little show. I don't even know. I don't. Yeah. Know. Yeah. yeah. That's what I gotta do. That one. I don't know. I can't. When I was a kid, though, I would wear, like, you know, up to my knees. That's what it was in the 70s, man. I have pictures of me with the high tube socks. My father. Yeah, I had I had those. But can you go no socks? I can't go. Never, ever, not a day in my life. Not a day I, in my life. I cannot. I did no socks in high school, and it was probably the worst summer of my life because your sneakers are <laughs> fucking disgusting. Yeah, disgusting. How do you do that? This is, this is brutal. No, I had the, the socks. I went up to my knees, and my, you know, you with a tube sock, You'd get dirt on the front of the sock, you know, like, yeah. and you'd run around the dirt, and then you could just flip the sock around and just have the, you know, whatever. And my, you know, I would, you know, if it was on your heel, the dirt would get on your heel, and then the next time you wear it, it was on the front of the sock. And my father would be, and his friends would look at me like, his socks are filthy. What are you doing? Like, no, no, no. That's how, that's how they wear them. That's how the kids wear them. This, and they would yell at me in Yiddish, like, what an idiot, you know, like, whatever. Like, meanwhile, they got, you know, they're wearing, like, brown dress socks everywhere they go. Ridiculous. Can you go high socks now or no? You Only don't have a, that in you. I can go calf socks in the winter. No, yeah. I'm talking with shorts. No, no, with shorts. Are you kidding me? No. No, I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. No, you can't look that. I can't, I'm already dorky enough, Neil. I can't do it. All right. It's kind of East Villagey, isn't it, Brooklyn-y, to have, like, calf socks? Yeah, but then you also need the beard, and you need, like, some weird hat and, like, Coke bottle, like you need to put the whole thing together. I'm wearing like Gap khaki shorts and like a fucking polo. I can't. No, no. Wear you need to like a white t-shirt and then the the like yeah. All right, let's go next one. Um, would you do Impossible Burger or salad? Oh, good question. I never had an Impossible Burger, but I guess I would. I'd, I'd love to try one, but I would say salad. Neil. It's be- funny because I went to the grocery store during the, during this whole quarantine. And I bought the the meatless meat and uh, we cooked it up like as a burger, and it was just so disappointing. It was so <laughs> awful. Really, the whole the whole process of just it doesn't make any sense. It's like I don't understand. Like if you go to McDonald's and you order the salad, it doesn't make sense to me. It was like that's not the purpose. So I could not eat an Impossible Burger. Just just eat a regular burger. I, die die a little younger. You know what I mean? I would say. Yeah, I do think. A choice of one of those two things, like impossible or salad, I have to go salad. But there were times where I just rather not eat if those are my two choices. I mean, I could go with that Caesar Caesar salad with chicken. Does that count as a salad? Mm, no. Yeah. You gotta take the salad. <laughs> you gotta take the chicken out. You're cheating. Of I course. mean, it's always like the Caesar salad always is like iceberg lettuce, which is like the worst lettuce for you, and then. <laughs> But it still it's gives never, me that feeling like I had a healthy meal, even though you did it. Yeah. Well, it's let me tell you. That if they, if C- if Caesar salad, I mean, can somebody just give me a break a little bit? Like, if I'm if the, if if you're eating a salad, okay, can I just feel good about it for a second? You just said like you're eating. It's the iceberg lettuce is the worst lettuce. I mean, I'm eating lettuce. <laughs> can you just give me some points for the lettuce, for Christ's sake? Let's- 
I give myself points for the iceberg lettuce all the time. I just know internally that that's not, <laughs> that's not the lettuce I should be eating. I know, but then you got to get the other shitty, like, weird lettuce that just tastes god-awful. What are you, lettuce yeah, shaming yeah. me? Yeah, there's, my wife gets this, like, I don't know, mixed salad. I swear there are stems in it. You know what I mean? On some of these, these pieces of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever tree leaves she's buying. It's like, come on, man. I can't eat the spinach. The Just give me. Yeah, no. They, they just did like a TikTok video. If you put that lettuce that you buy with all the weird shit and then you put it in like water, then like bugs come out of everywhere. It's like craziness. All right. Last one. Uh, how often are you on TikTok? Now? Yeah, I don't know. No. I would say four yeah, to five hours a day right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that tracks. That tracks. <laughs> I'm not joking, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love this app. I saw a girl trying to do that today in the park. She like set. We were. I'm walking with Birdie, and um, all of a sudden, I see this girl like set up a backpack against the fence, and she like. I thought she was gonna start working out, and she just did. All she did was like this quick, goofy jump. That's all she did, and very calmly <laughs> went over and hit the button on her phone and shut it off. Like what? is happening that's what people are doing in their quarantine i'm just gonna take my shit go out to the park with a nice background and jump around and film it. i i don't know well that that builds into my uh we're going to war with china because china china made this tiktok app and so we'll be so distracted like with a war with china because everyone will be just dancing and moving around just doing tiktoks the whole time <laughs> okay i don't think the army is in the tiktok business neil but that's fine yeah um <laughs> Let's do – I don't think we have time for one more. I think that's it. That's this, that, and the other oh, thing. Do, one right. more? I'll do one more real quick. So it's allergy season or it's just about the end. I've had an actually decent allergy season. I think it's because there's no smog, so it's not keeping all that crap in the air. That's my theory anyway. Yeah. It's amazing how much better I've been this year. Incredible. Um, but if I give you a choice of which c- tissues you like to use, do you use puffs? Do you use the ones with the lotion? Do you use the Kleenex? Kleenex being no lotion, just like straight up old school Kleenex. Yeah, straight up old school Kleenex or Kleenex. What's your uh, what's your tissue brand? Uh, I I think we do the old school Kleenex, just the old old school straight up Kleenex, I no do, lotion or whatever. I do Kleenex soft, no lotion. You can't clean your glasses with anything. You know, if you right. put the lotion, That's it true. drives me nuts. Neil. Yeah, I don't like anything with the weird lotion shit on it. So I'm going. <laughs> remember we talked about so we're going to old school handkerchief. Oh yeah! Oh god! <laughs> I never. My father did that, and I don't understand why you would blow your nose and then put it back in your pocket. That's the, the thing with the handkerchief. Yeah, I don't understand the Corona chip. You might as well just call out now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You start wiping your hands with it after you blow your nose. Oh on my it. god! You know what's funny? The handkerchief is. You want people to not sit next to you anywhere, like on a plane or anything like that? Why don't you just blow <laughs> yeah. your nose into a handkerchief and just lay it on that tray? <laughs> That's you put end. it in the front pouch. You put it in the pouch with the magazine. You just let it hang there. For a <laughs> be, we're all screwed. There's going to be no way to do this. Uh, they need a cure or we're screwed. They do. My uh, my oh, deli guy had PPE uh, uh, stuff on. Like he had a full shield on his face. So if the deli guy at my, my place is doing it, I don't know how we're going to get it. Well, you never know when the you know the roast turkey is going to squirt at you. Some, <laughs> you know. yeah. He could be cutting up bats. And, you know, now you need That's the PPA. True. All right. Let's go on. All right. The way we end the show every week is one good thing or one bad thing of the week. Um, Neil, why don't you start first this week? One good thing or one bad thing of the week? Well, I have a – I guess I'll go with the good thing. Uh, two good things is, one, I feel like the sewer line exploded in the house I'm staying at. <laughs> and so it was just – the smell has kind of dissipated. But I also say it dissipated because I bought a banana – nut bread candle okay that has put a dent into the sewer smell and so it smells kind of like a banana nut someone's making banana bread but at the same time it smells like poo poo and then uh (laughs) so that's that's a good thing and then (laughs) i also say that uh rami i don't know if i'm still on the show but i shot rami and that's gonna air on friday and so everybody should watch oh rami is super funny and the previews and late is so funny in the show, and and are those two guys, you got to go watch them. They're super funny. Cool. Um, go ahead, Joe. One good thing or one bad uh, thing of the week? Oh wait, before bef- wait before you go, I just want to say about Neil's house. We were thinking we've been here the whole time during the quarantine. We want all right. Maybe we should get out of here. Go to the Hamptons. Where can we go that there's less amount of people? We don't want to be around a lot of people. Maybe right. we can quarantine with a couple. So we we're thinking. Then all of a sudden, I got the crazy. Idea. 
idea to get out to Neil and Bethel's because it's only them two and they haven't talked to anybody. So we would have like, you know, a five person quarantine, you know, and then we, yeah. we could get out of the house. Yeah. And then the next day, Neil's sewer line broke. And then I was, <clears throat> I said to Be- Gina, you want to go? And she's like, and that was the end of that. <laughs> you, you're still, we're still getting the house ready for you guys. Yeah, you could do no, that. We're not coming. You but when you're, I know you enough, Neil, that when the sewer line broke, you were initially were like, I, I'll just let it. I don't think we need to fix it. It's not that bad. Like, I know that you were trying to convince yourself the smell wasn't that bad. Oh. I was just going to go right underneath the house and just go to the bathroom and just say, okay. <laughs> just, I'm just out the middleman. I like that. Yeah. Well, that's what he said to the guy. He go, what'd you say? What's the what's the low end, Neil? What'd you say? Tell that story. <laughs> Neil, tell well, it. I go, because I go, what, what do you do if somebody has no money? I go, what's the low end of this thing? And he goes, a porta potty I can put outside. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is the low end. Right up, right above digging a hole, I guess. Back. Oh, God. All right, Joe. One good thing or one bad thing of the week? Uh, one good thing: the lemon chicken that I had uh, leftover for lunch today was delicious. Uh, one <laughs> bad thing: uh, I'm still stuck in quarantine. I guess it would be the bad thing. I think today, waking up and being like another day of this, I yeah. think uh, was the bad thing. All right, my uh, one good thing of the week is. Um, well, Neil and I are back on for Supermarket Sweep right now. If everybody could out there listening to this could just wear your mask and lower the curve and keep everything the same, it looks like me, Neil, and the rest of the gang are going to get on the plane and go to L.A. in hazmat suits. And for three weeks, we're going to film Supermarket Sweep. And Neil's going to be a big star. And then we can all get back on the plane, hopefully not die. And we can crawl back into the bunker for six months. Oh, now, God. now, will you? There will be no audience, though, right? There will just be you guys and a couple contestants. I think that'll be true. That'll be it. Yeah, that's, okay. gonna, that's, that's doable, I think. What are our odds, Neil? I hope they're pretty good for us this happening. Um, I my, guarantee. Yeah, it is what it is. My bad thing of the week is uh, we did trivia night with a bunch of comics. Uh, I got Neil and Bethel in. We came in second place. We lost the last second because Bethel talked me out of an answer because she insisted. It was top 10 sitcom finales of all time. That was the list, Joe. Yeah. And um, Bethel insisted it, Mary, Tyler Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah, and that's how it's we It's not Mary Tyler Moore. What's the, it's MASH, right? Well, that was number one. It was the top 10. You had to fill in the top 10. You got a point for every one oh. that was on the list. So, And um, I'm sure it was at one time. It's just that other shows had beaten it out. and just. But Bethel was sure, sure, sure. We put that in. But then again, you know, second place isn't bad, right, Neil? Yeah, it's not bad. It hurt a little bit because we should, We really kind of choked. We choked. Anyway. So and you th- lost to Dane Cook's team, right? Is that what <laughs> you lost to? <laughs> no, we were we were Team Stiller and Mira, and that would have been a really poetic justice for Jerry Stiller. Uh, yeah, oh, away. yeah. Uh, we were so happy. Anyway, it was a really fun night. But can everybody put the masks on so we can go do Supermarket Sweep. We'll all be very happy. That is it for today. We Joe Schiappa, social media is Thank at you. Joe Schiappa, right? Your, all your Instagram and Twitter is at Joe, S-C-H-I-A-P-P-A. Yes, you got it. And Check me out there, and uh, I will see you when I see you. When, uh, do you have anything in the works that we should know about, or do you want to tell uh, me? No, I have a couple pitches that I'm going out with, and nothing too new, and everything kind of uh, ground to a halt, to be honest. So, uh <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll come back and loop around with you guys. I'll let you know what I have. Something. All right. Let us know when the Joshi up a telethon for improvers is. And, uh, <laughs> I will. I will. With them. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Thank Joe. you so much fun. for doing it. That was a lot of fun. And Neil, we'll see everybody next week, correct? Yep. Ready. Thanks for having me, guys. You're the best. All right. Bye. Bye. bye.